Hello, welcome back to Courtney Watches Movies, the podcast in which I, the titular Courtney, review, analyze, and most likely overthink movies and the filmmakers who have brought them to life. How in the world are you today? I hope you're doing well, and if you're not, I hope that turns around quickly. Amen and amen. Which is a flawless and not at all clunky transition into the topic of our discussion today. Focus features new film. Honk for Jesus, save your soul. This is a directorial debut, feature-length directorial debut, from Adama Ebo, which is really cool. We love to see new filmmakers coming up. And what's really neat is she got the backing of a heavy hitter like Jordan Peele. He did produce the movie. This is based on a short film she did in, I think, 2018. And it follows a prosperity gospel, Creflo Dollar, Kenneth Copeland type preacher named Lee Curtis Childs and his wife, Trinity Childs. They're played by Sterling K. Brown and Regina Hall, respectively. And it's a a really straightforward story. It's an attempted comeback by a southern baptist preacher and his wife after their church closes due to a scandal Ooh, just kidding like i said it's fairly straightforward it alternates between being like a mockumentary kind of similar to the office where a fake documentary crew follows lee curtis child's and his wife around but they don't the the crew is silent they don't involve themselves they just record and then part of the movie is a straightforward typical linear movie narrative it can be a little bit confusing to differentiate between what is going on is this part of the documentary is this just the regular movie you have to rely on context cues there will be times where you think oh geez louise is the documentary film crew filming this and then you have to think no this is just a now we're back to just regular movie time but the childs have had their church closed for i think about a year and the movie follows the month that is leading up to their grand reopening they have chosen easter sunday for their grand reopening easter due to the symbolism of rebirth and resurrection and we just kind of get to see some of their trials and disagreements about how they're going to structure the service, how they're going to structure the sermon, what uh, we get to see them try to get back old parishioners to mostly total lack of success. They have five diehards, five which for a mega church is not great. I think they say that before the scandal, they had 23,000 congregates, but they've got five diehards that are with them in it to win it. And during the time their church was closed, they have a younger couple who took the opportunity to grow their own church It's a husband and wife pastoral team. And a lot of the the former congregates that went to the child's church now attends their church. 
and simultaneously they are getting ready for the grand opening of their larger building and guess what it's also on easter sunday of course so you have that added subplot of tension and competition with these younger hipper pastors who can maybe bring in a younger crowd you know the drill so it's it's there's not a lot happens in this film story-wise so i don't i'm not really entirely certain which beats to cover to be totally honest with you they you you figure out fairly quickly that the and it's also obvious to me anyway that the scandal that closed the church is a sexual misconduct issue and they make it clear that he is guilty he pays everybody off that accused him and so it's it's very clear that the the movie's not denying that he, he did he did what he did and there's also an element of due to all of these massive payouts they're struggling with money and these are these are folks that had lots of designer cards they have an amazing house in it there in atlanta and a, a lot of a lot of amazing clothing items and shoes and trinity child has her amazing collection of church hats which i'm pretty jealous of I, <laughs> At my church, people wear ripped jeans, so I'm like, which is fine, you know. It's just very culturally different. I'm not in the South, and I can really tell when I watch movies like this. Um, but it's it is about the reopening of this church, but it's more about their marriage than anything else. You begin to realize that Trinity is the real driving force behind the church. It is heavily implied she might be more devout and might be more knowledgeable about the Bible than her husband. And he, oh boy, oh boy, Lee Curtis, he is not a sympathetic, sympathetic character whatsoever. He's very unlikable. And to that degree, I, I give Sterling K. Brown props for taking a role because it can't be easy to take a role when you know that no one's going to like you. And there's nothing really redeemable about the character. I don't want to get into further detail about the plot. Just know that it it all leads up to this grand opening day. And that's how it ends. It ends on the grand opening. And it is very open-ended. It's open-ended in, ter in terms of what happens to the church and what happens to the marriage. Because... What I did like is it does a good job of illustrating the tension between the husband and wife, but yet they're also still a team, which is very interesting, but I think that's very realistic. I know from being a Christian that the concept of getting a divorce is very it's, it's, it's pretty taboo. Like you wouldn't want to do it. If you were active in church, if you were active in Christian community, it would be very, very challenging to get a divorce. Although I do want to point out that Trinity does have biblical grounds for divorce in terms of her husband was unfaithful. 
So that definitely is acceptable. But she she has a whole different view on it too because not only are they a married couple, they also have this massive church together, which is in its way a business. They've had a large amount of monetary success. This movie has a lot to say about the prosperity gospel, which is very, very, very unfortunate. <laughs> it's unfortunate that this way of thinking, which is God always wants you to be healthy, wealthy, and to never have problems. That kind of extreme feel-good preaching that is so popular. It's a massive American export. Again, unfortunately, because it's not true. There's no, there's no basis for that. There's no biblical grounds for that. And if anything, it's just the opposite. You're told several times in the Bible, you're going to suffer. In this world, you will suffer. You're going to have trials. You're going to struggle. Pick up your cross and follow me. Nowhere does it say in this ephemeral, brief, vaporous human realm, God wants you to be a mega billionaire who never gets sick and never has problems. That's just ridiculous. But again, this is a very popular way of preaching in Protestant evangelical circles. So I was nervous about seeing this movie because I was I was concerned that it was going to be one more, oh, let's dump on Christians. That's kind of what the trailer made it seem like it could be, like it could go in that direction. And I was a little bit concerned by that because it's at this point, that's low-hanging fruit that's been done to death. And I'm just not interested in seeing that. But that's not what this is. I think the movie is done with a lot of love and with a lot of sympathy toward Trinity, especially because she is in a rock and a hard place between a rock and a hard place. She's the first lady of this massive Southern Baptist church. A lot of eyes are on her. She's trying to do the right thing. She's trying to do the right thing for herself and for God and for the community because one thing it's made very clear that they and their church did do a lot of good when they before the closure when they were active they did a lot of good they did a lot of good in terms of social programs and outreach and charitable donations so in that sense it's very fair to the church and where where the more satirical mockery comes in is just more about pointing out, well, first of all, the hypocrisy of getting on stage and preaching about being a good person or following Christ and then turning around and completely denying him with your actions, which that's, that's a fair criticism, unfortunately, for a lot of these big televangelist, super super preacher guys unfortunately that turns out to be pretty fair a lot of the time and then a lot of it has to do with this it's a heavily charismatic church which means it's got that kind of slain in the spirit you know you get pushed on the forehead and you fall down they've got this literal suit of armor next to the pop the pulpit which i'm sure has to be a reference to the full armor of God 
in Ephesians 6. They sit on golden thrones with red velvet, which is just wow. And uh, Lee Curtis references that he basically got rid of his entire deacon board, which is a massive red flag. Biblically, pastors, overseers, whatever word you want to use, they are supposed to answer to an elder board. That is for a system of checks and balances and church discipline. So all of this is, all of these qualities in Lee Curtis add up to, this is not a good shepherd, to put it mildly. This is not a good shepherd of people. And this culminates in why I didn't find the movie very funny. It is, I'm sure it's classified as a satirical comedy, but I think because in my personal life, I've already spent too much time researching the dangers of the prosperity gospel and the reality of how this method of teaching and these messages play out when they're lived out. I've spent too much time in that already. So this stuff's not funny to me. You know, the hypocrisy is not funny to me. The relentless fixation on monetary goods is not funny to me. I I don't think I laughed once. I, I guess I maybe could have chortled. We'll go with that word. I could have chortled. But I do think that somebody that is not so steeped in already learning about these topics might find it funnier. Like somebody who's in a more more secular space might find it funnier. You know what I mean? What I did what I did like is the performances. Sterling K. Brown and Regina Hall are excellent. I think Regina Hall is good in everything I've seen her in. She always is uh, is always a standout. And like I said, I think Sterling K. Brown was very brave to take this role knowing he was going to be wildly unlikable even all of the secondary characters everybody everybody brought their a-game i there's no i cannot possibly complain about that regina hall especially she has to portray so many different emotions she has to portray this fearlessness because as this first lady of this church, she feels that's what she needs to be, is totally fearless and just an impenetrable force. She's always trying to be positive. And then she also has to portray the vulnerability of being having been cheated on and choosing to forgive your husband, take him back, and how that plays out in a real life and then there's also the religious element her you know she has to portray the person that has in all likelihood been told their entire life that marriage is forever no matter what her mom even shows up and and tells her this like no you already chosen and there there's a lot of emotions that go into that she she does a really good job i very much liked that i liked that it did not feel mean-spirited it didn't take cheap shots at the church and i shouldn't 
the person that this movie is, if you want to use this word, attacking, is a very specific kind of person. It's a leaker's child. It's not attacking Jesus, and it's not attacking attacking the concept of following Christ as a whole. So that's really important. I like that it didn't. I like that it didn't feel mean spirited. What I didn't like is even though it's only an hour and forty minutes, it still managed to feel over long. I think some of the scenes dragged out too long. If that makes any sense, it was just. I, I did get a little bored. And in the screening that I was in, it was me and two other people, and they left about an hour in. So make of that what you will. So yeah, it felt a little long, and then again, for me, the jokes fell flat. But at the end of the day, I'm so enthusiastic about the fact that we have a a new filmmaker on the scene who is making movies that have something to say movies that feel like they come from a personal space and again i'm gonna keep harping on this it's not a blockbuster it it's it's more of an original story and so in that sense i i do feel supportive of that all in all i'm gonna give this a six out of ten if you're interested in mockumentaries there are better ones but this definitely has has merit for for the certain kind of audience that's going to appreciate it if you want to learn more about the prosperity gospel from a more serious angle i'm going to recommend american gospel it's a it's a very interesting documentary that came out within the past few years i want to say I would recommend that more if the prosperity gospel angle is more interesting to you. But like I said, I'm going to go with a 6 out of 10. It's not bad. It's not. I don't know that I would ever want to watch it again, which is something that I always factor in. Like, what's the rewatchability? But performances are great. Regina Hall has some amazing monologues. And... Yeah, I think six. I think this. I think the six out of ten is fair. So anyway, that's all I got for honk for Jesus, save your soul. Oh, that's not all I got. I also want to say that title is not good. It's too long. It's too clunky. I felt silly even buying a ticket for it. I'm like one for honk for Jesus, save your soul. It's too long. Honk for Jesus would have been more crisp, I think. So I don't like that. But overall, it's, it's okay. It's good. That's all I got for today. I am reading My Absolute Darling by Gabriel Talent. And today's jam is I Was Made for Loving You by Kiss. Yeah. So there. Drink a lot of water. Wash your face. And I will see you at the movies. Bye.